Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast. I'm Aaron, And I'm Mariah. And today we're joined by a guest who is definitely solidly a part of Definitely solidly, okay. Well, definitely solidly a part of the brain injury community. <laughs> All the um, adjectives. Far and wide. <laughs> yeah. um, we have Mimi Hayes with us. Mimi is an author, a comedian, a podcaster, and I feel like so much more, but we will get to that, I'm sure. So, welcome, Mimi. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for that intro. I am definitely solidly part of this community. <laughs> solidly, is, definitely, that, or just solidly? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Adverb. I used adjective. Wrong part of speech. Oh, geez. My English teacher would have been so upset. Well, my inner inner grammar nerd just got really excited that I got to use the word adverb at all. So, So, Mimi, why don't we start by hearing your story? I think knowing what I know of you, which isn't much yet, but I think that your take on it will be better than me summarizing what I think it might have been. So go for it. (laughs) Um, Well, it's the fun thing is it changes all the time. So, you know, I've told, I've told this story like a million times, but I always added new fun flair. So let's see what it's going to be today. So I am born and raised from Colorado and, you know, I wanted to be a high school teacher. I was like, that's my path in life. Uh, I don't really know why I wanted to torture myself with, uh, you know, high school age <laughs> children, but that's what I wanted. I don't either. You know? And I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know? Okay, girl, you do you. And, uh, <laughs> I got into that, went to school for that, and I got about five days into my student teaching semester, and I had a brain hemorrhage. Mm, And yeah, I know. Isn't that odd? Like, you know, the career was like, hey, I don't think this is for you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Kick your head out. But it was... It was a really strange experience in that, you know, I was just starting this really intense career that everybody told me was so intense. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm tired and I'm this and I'm that. And I had all these symptoms coming up that first week. I was, you know, really fatigued. I was really off balance. And so I kind of started to, like, not know where I was in space. I was bumping into things. My vision was getting kind of weird and I was having trouble grading papers and one day I went on a blind date. Oh, well, I say blind, but that's not even how people say. It. I went on a Tinder date. Okay, so I went on a Tinder date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who even uses that anymore? Nobody. And I went on a date with this person, and I just had this really bad migraine. And granted, I'm in the first week of my teaching, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's probably just teaching. You know, I go home, and everything just went off the rails from that point. I ended up in the ER. Uh, I was so sick, I couldn't move my head without like throwing up. So I couldn't like move my eyes. There was no like, I had to just lay there like a statue and just like, you know, I'm like, this is the end. I hear you, girl. Um, so I was, really I sick. was there too. <laughs> Real sick. It's not a fun mm-hmm. time. Um, but I kept getting misdiagnosed. And, you know, doctors were like, oh, like, you're just depressed. You're just anxious. You're just 22. This is just what it is. You know, have you been dumped lately? Like, this is totally fine. Uh, And did somebody seriously say that to you? Yes. Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) She asked me if I, I, you know, 
been through a relationship issue and and you know she oh my gosh is like you know you're you're young and you know you're probably tired and you're probably like stressed and depressed and blah 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 so that was my doctor saying that to me so you know wow. yeah yeah I don't uh, think people could so, see my face but I'm like brain bleed depression uh. <laughs> what it was it was very weird and um you know, of course, my response was just to accept it, just just go, oh, this is how my life is now. You know, I'm just going to be this weird, wobbly person. Uh, my mother, though, she knew that this was not me. She knew this was not normal. So she took me right back to the ER and she said, we are not leaving until you get this shit under control. And, uh, you know, we didn't oh, have uh, an attorney or anything that she threatened with. That was all made up. You know, she just was <laughs> talking out of her, you know. I just want to uh, say props to the mama bears out there because uh-huh. they do a lot. <laughs> I feel so, I feel so, I, I just, you know, I tell the story all the time. And every time I just get more and more appreciation for her. But she just knew. She was like, this is not, you know, this is not how, how she is. So when we finally got that MRI, uh, it did reveal that I had had a brain hemorrhage in my cerebellum. It took that um, long to get an MRI. Yeah, it was a couple weeks. Yeah. Because what? they thought maybe you'd been dumped. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so you go to the emergency department with headaches, nausea, vomiting, changes in balance, and nobody thinks, oh, this is brain? Nobody even looks? So that first ER... I actually had a neurologist come in and do the finger test, right? So you move it to the side, you move to the side. He said, do you see double? I said, yeah, I see like quadruple. And then he left the room. Like I was I reported seeing double. And I didn't know this until later. I thought that was just a nurse because I didn't know what's happening. I was really sick. Mm-hmm. But my wow. mom said, no, that was a neurologist who came in. And looked like he was like busy or something. And he's like, okay, fine. You know, d- okay, do you see double? Okay, all right. And then he left. And so wow. I was reporting. And don't worry, my mom got her money back. Oh, she oh, got good. her money back for that visit. <laughs> that oh, should you be. better believe double it. Double your money back, guarantee <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Seriously. She oh, got all God. the money. But, you know, so um, so that was actually where my mom learned how to do a neuro test was when she watched him. So when we mm. got to the second ER a couple days later, you know, when we were battling with the doctor, the doctor said, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, whatever. Mama said, no, we're going back. So a nurse came in and just put the finger in front of the face and she didn't move it. Right. She just h- held it there. And I don't know if you know much about the eye brain connection, but if you get that stuff moving, you know, if you move it from side to side, that's where stuff would go off the yeah, rails. Wonky, yeah. Um, but if you just held it there, I was like, yeah, I see one finger. That's fine. So that's all that she did. And my mom literally stepped in front of her and said, no, no, you're not doing it right. Look. And then she moved her finger. And then I'm like, yeah, there's 27 fingers over there. And you can <laughs> see my eyes like rotating. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was totally missed by several people the whole you know the be fast the balance the eyes I was all up in that be you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Of, of that equation so um Aaron so is they the found it. you like a <laughs> right now <What>? yes <laughs> I'm like all of these symptoms say get a head ct get an mri like <laughs> look at it <laughs> I just I don't get it but anywho let's move on with your story mm-hmm. so you had a bleed <laughs> in your cerebellum Um, so just what was it like something just popped or what happened? 
So their theory, uh, obviously, sometimes you can never really tell, mm-hmm. but their theory is that I had at birth a clump of cells just never really fully unroll. Just a fun picture to imagine your cells just kind of unfurling. But mine just, you know, in the back of my head, one just kind of like clumped and it didn't do me any harm. Um, and that's called mm-hmm. a cavernous angioma uh, mm-hmm. for you, Aaron. And um <laughs> You know, and it doesn't do any harm. You know, that can happen all over your body. But my additional theory is that because of the stress, because of the, you know, overwhelming sense of just no downtime, you know, no breathing, nothing. You know, I was just really just roughing it, you know, that first week of school that uh, it just it popped. It hemorrhaged inside that little cell. And also just some context to add to the drama of this story is that uh, a few months before I had just been cheated on and dumped from a five-year-long relationship for a guy that I thought I was going to marry. So, you know, that probably added to the, you know, the stress of it. And hence why I was going on all these ridiculous Tinder dates. And I'm like, I can't be alone. Okay. Hello, stranger. Like, you know, I was really just trying to figure out who I was. And I knew that the teaching was going to be a big part of that. So I put all of my energy into being a teacher for the first time. And my brain was like, yeah, check engine light. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, once they found it, they said, hey, you can go home now, <laughs> which was the weirdest thing to hear because you don't think you're going anywhere, you know, when you have a bleeding brain. But they said, hey, you know, you're actually stable-ish. So, you know, what could happen is that the hemorrhage could just go away. It could just reabsorb into wherever the heck it came from. And you could be fine. So let's go ahead and send you home on bed rest for, you know, four to six weeks. See if that takes care of it and like hit us up, you know. (laughs) Uh, So I'm like, okay, like, so uh, we go home. I tell my teacher that I was working with, hey, I can't keep teaching because my head has exploded. So please take over my classes. Thank you very much. Uh, which she did no problem. You know, she felt horrible. I mean, she was like, Oh my God. So, you know, we adapted. <laughs> sorry. I'm just thinking of being that person. Like if my student was like, sorry, I worked with you five days and now my brain's exploded. Um, <laughs> that's not I told her, the I was biggest. Like, I hope this doesn't discourage you from getting more <laughs> student teachers. I know I'm the abnormal one. It wasn't you. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that tagline. It wasn't you. It's me. Yeah. (laughs) So um, continuing on here, we we get home and, you know, my parents set up a little like sick bay for me. They're like, okay, here's your couch and here's your blankies and here's all your water. And, you know, they were like, you're going to be a sick person for like, you know, a month. So let's just set up this area for you. So I watched a lot of TV. Uh, I had to go on walks because they were like, we got to make sure your blood's flowing. Um, so I'm like, ah, where is it going? Like, you know, <laughs> like what's this blood doing in there? Like, you know, um, and I was kind of convinced, honestly, this is a real thought I had. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just walk this off. Like, maybe I'll just walk this little brain, brain bleed out of my body. I'll just power walk it out. <laughs> So Every I good go nurse to their children mom. says the same thing. Just walk it off. Walk, walk it, it off. off. Walk it off. Walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're doing that, you know, a few weeks are going by and every day I'm kind of losing mobility. 
I start noticing significant differences in the left side of my body. I couldn't, I used to play the guitar very badly, nothing to write home about, but I could, I could at least, you know, do some chords and I'm trying to hold it and I'm looking at the, you know, chord and I can't tell my fingers to do the guitar. Like they're just not, they're not doing it. I'm like, Hey, do this. And they're like, no. So it's this very strange, you know, disconnection happening. The walks are getting harder. I'm, I start developing, you know, a limp. Uh, my vision is still quite double. Now it's full time. So now watching TV is hard. I have to like close one eye, you know, to uh, even watch how I met your mother, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like trying to figure out ways to stay busy here. I'm walking, you know, and all this is happening. And uh, I start writing a book about it, which I was had to write with one hand because my left again is not compliant. Um, so I start writing this, you know, my, I, my literally a friend said, you should write a book about this. And I was like, okay, I don't, all right, let's make some fun out of this. You know, I could be dying. Uh, I could be dying. Like that was kind of my thought as we're going through the weeks here is like, I'm not getting better. I'm getting worse. You know, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how to really, you know, deal with it. So I just started writing about it. I'm like, oh, I could be dying. LOL. This is my one-handed story. You know, I'm just, like, <laughs> just going through the motions here. And let's see. From there, oh, I lost my taste. Uh, you know, I couldn't taste uh, hmm. one day. Just one day, just kind of like couldn't taste Captain Crunch. And I was like, huh, that is hilarious. Uh, and told my sister about it. She's like, is it though? Is it? Uh, so we called back the neurosurgeon and sure enough, he's like, oh, why don't you come back in for another <laughs> one of those uh, MRI scans and uh, did that. And it had grown significantly in size, this hemorrhage of mine. So it did not do what they thought it was going to do or hoped it would do. And they said, hey, we're going to have to go in and grab it. We're going to go and do a surgery on Friday. <laughs> and it was Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm like, busy. <laughs> okay, I'll just pencil it in. Just a yeah. little brain surgery on Friday. And a part of the story that I love to really tell is that that day that I learned that I was having brain surgery, I uh, coincidentally or not, you know, the hospital was right across the street from the high school where I was teaching or uh. supposed to be teaching at that point <laughs> um, in Denver. So it's like, you know, afternoon and I look at you know the clock I'm like hey it's fourth period mom do you think we can go and see my kids real quick <laughs> just stop in yeah and I've just been told I'm gonna have brain surgery and I'm like yeah I want to go see him and see what's up and I haven't seen him you know and I look significantly different I'd lost 20 pounds I was using a cane you know I could barely see and it's my parents said, yes, what are they going to say? You know, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Girl who's potentially dying and going to have brain surgery. No, they'd let me do it. So I walk into the school and I kind of like find my classroom and I put my little cane on the door <laughs> and I roll in. I'm like, hey, guys. And they were just these poor kids. I traumatized them and my teacher. <laughs> poor kids. Or, I, or you made a memory that they will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, you know, sit down and I'm like, hey, what's good? You know, how are you? How are the lessons going? And they're like, Miss, what's what's up with you? I'm like, well, I'm going to have brain surgery on Friday. So, you know, how exciting. And of course, they're 14. These kids were, you know, freshmen in high school. And this kid in the back, like, says what we're all thinking. And is like, Miss, are you going to die? <laughs> 
And props, I'm like, props for asking a straightforward question. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I didn't know. I literally was like, I've never even thought about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it had not crossed my mind really until that point that I could realistically, you know, be dying. And I'm like, yeah. me? No, no way. <laughs> Dead. What? So I just, you know, joke my way out of it. I leave. And then I go home and have a full-on panic attack because I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so it got really real at that point because, you know, someone's going to go in there, you know, uh, and, and try to take care of the problem. So um, I did the brain surgery. And uh, it was a smashing success. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, when I came out of surgery, I not only asked the nurse if I was dead. <laughs> and I... I asked her if she said no. And I said, well, are you dead? Like one of us is dead. Like (laughs) let's figure this out. (laughs) And that still is like so funny to me. That was the first thing I said. It was like, am I? Okay. So they wheeled me, you know, into this little area and uh, I am seeing double and sideways now. So it, it, I don't know which, which, you know, I'm still learning about the brain here, but you know, the vision part is kind of a little near that cerebellum, you know, so some of the swelling had yeah. gotten to some of the different areas of the brain. So my vision was a really big thing that was impacted. So now I'm seeing double and sideways and I'm like, all right, who turned my bed on its side? You know, that's really immature. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking that people are trying to pull a prank on me, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll see if we can fix that for you. You know, like, <laughs> So lots of really fun symptoms kind of after the fact, but um, there's a lot more to the story. I ha- I'm wondering how, like what you want to know, because I could keep going on the fun train here or We what? got nothing but time here, so. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Tell us all. Yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> I just want to say my favorite, favorite thing in the whole wide world is the anesthesia room. And I did not know that this existed because I'd never had a major surgery before. But uh, in most hospitals, I think they have a special room called the anesthesia room where they put all the people getting out of their major surgeries. And I was one of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm post brain surgery. I am hopped up on all the drugs you can imagine. I feel great. I'm like, I feel amazing. I've never felt so good in my life, you know. And yeah, I can't see and I'm a little thirsty, but I feel amazing. And they roll me on in here. And granted, I can't, I can't see, I can't see, but I can hear these nurses are yelling at this lady and her name is Helen. And, you know, I can't see what's going on, but I can just hear them yelling at her. Her name is coming up so many times. I swear they said it like a thousand times. Like Helen, Helen. What are you doing, Helen? Helen, don't, don't touch that. <laughs> Helen, stop, stop. Helen, no, sit down, Helen. Sit down. Don't pull that out of your arms. You know, they're like, literally just, just like, she's crawling. Helen's trouble. <laughs> she's trouble with a capital T. And I can't see worth a damn. So I literally like with my little like neck that doesn't work because, you know, they've gone in through the back of my head. I literally like kind of crane myself towards like this figure of a person. And I was like, hey, to the nurse. I'm like, what the F is up with Helen? (laughs) And she just starts laughing. And I'm like, no, really? It's a fair question. What's wrong with her? (laughs) Somebody get Helen under control. (laughs) And she just is like, like, whatever. And so then finally, like, this keeps happening. They're just yelling. And I finally just take 
take the situation into my own weak little hands. <laughs> and I just, I, I lean myself up and I go, Helen, Helen, sit down, Helen, sit <laughs> down. <laughs> Well, did she finally listen? I, I think. She might not even be real. Like, that's the thing that I'm like, I don't even know if she's real. Like, Was Helen a figment of your, of your drugged she imagination? Been. And the whole, the whole, like, hospital knew about me. You know, like, when I got to the ICU, they're like, hey, how's Helen? And I was like, don't even talk to me about Helen. I don't even want to hear, it. you know. So it's like, <laughs> well, clearly she haunts you still, so... <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. It's just like such a, you know, interesting thing. I'm like, wow, they really do put like people like coming off of like drugs in the same room together. Like, honestly, somebody somebody should bug that room and just like sell the recordings because I'm sure it would bring so much hilarity to people's lives. Oh, my gosh. If I could do anything, I would go back and find those nurses and I would just be like, (laughs) we have to have a full conversation about this. I don't know if you remember me. But <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> All right, so we so you dealt with we Helen. dealt with the Helen issue, uh, and um, you know I see you for a few days, and uh, you know some of the the common things that a lot of people deal with in the hospital. You know they're stabbing you with needles constantly. You know blood thinners and giving you all these meds and you know I'm just I'm just joking about you know I got friends in and out like I got some friends like I, I'm such a social person that I don't think I ever had a day when there was no one there to see me you know <laughs> but yeah so we get past the surgery and again this is a common theme for me they're like you ready to go home kiddo <laughs> and uh yeah no, I'm not ready to go home. <laughs> I just had brain surgery. Uh, nice try. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I walked once around the nurse's station uh, with a PT. It took me about like half an hour. And I'm, you know, crutching about like an elderly person. And they're like, yeah, she's good to go. And my mom's like, I just don't, I don't, I'm not sure about this. And it was an OT actually who said, let's get another opinion. Let's have her work with someone, see what she can do. Keep in mind, she is 22 years old. She was training for a half marathon. Uh, She's very athletic. There's no reason why it should take her a whole half hour to go around, you know, you know, half a station. So um, finally, this uh, this OT probably saved my life. I know of it. Um, And said, you know, she needs to be in rehab. She needs to be in like a physical rehab intensive. She needs to go somewhere. She can't just go home. That's not what's going to be good for her. And my insurance at the time, it wasn't covered by my insurance. My mom's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. Don't care. We're going there. And they said, you're going to go to this rehab center. Now, here's a fun fact. I had never heard of any kind of rehab, Um, but my grandmother had been in an assisted living center before she passed and it was bougie. It was nice. And she had her own kitchen. She had a Keurig. She had TV. She had a bed. This is what I thought rehab was. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I had no concept of what physical rehab center was. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to get like a bed and a kitchen and like, there's going to be like a spa, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they get my nails done <laughs> they wheel me in to a hospital <laughs> and i'm just like no this ain't it this ain't it no i'm not gonna be like, here are you kidding me this is a this is a bed that raises when i push a button mm-hmm. this is not <laughs> acceptable um and of course i'm very emotional because 
my hemorrhage and my brain is all over the place. So I'm just sobbing. You know, I'm just like, I'm in a hospital. Like, I don't know what my life has become. I don't know where I'm going. I live here now. Like, this is really strange. Um, so I, you know, started my uh, therapy, my rehab journey. Fun uh, additional factoid. The My first PT came in the next day. And again, can't really see her. But she looks and sounds oddly like my ICU nurse, Dina. Her name was Dina. And I said, Dina, is that you? And she goes, how do you know my sister? No way. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, my sister, Dina, works at St. Joseph Hospital in the ICU. Would you happen to know her? And I was like, oh, my God. So is this that is funny. family <laughs> affair. And uh, so Vicky yeah. is my, t- my PT, and she is ruthless. I love her so much. She was so – she took no shits. You know, she was just like – and I had no idea what I was doing because, you know, I'd never been – told you have to use a wheelchair you have to learn how to use a wheelchair you have to use it properly you know this is not in my vocabulary as a 22 year old person so i'm constantly breaking the rules in this joint like to the point where they're like are we gonna have to like put a like a baby monitor in your room to supervise you because you keep going buck wild and we don't know (laughs) you know i uh and i just i didn't know any better yeah i didn't really even know that i couldn't walk like I didn't know I couldn't do these things. I was just trying to do them. And then I was getting, you know, (laughs) slapped in the back of the head metaphorically by, you know, (laughs) Vicky. And one day I just decided to take my walker. Once I was allowed out of my room, you know, there's a certain level of quarantine that happens in a hospital. Um, They got to do some testing. They got to make sure that you're not like bringing new germs in, you know. So once I was allowed out, I was like, all right, time to go make some new friends because it's me, you know, it's me we're talking about. So I'm like, okay, let's go out. And uh, I grab my walker and I take myself down to the dining hall and I park it. And I'm noticing this is a very hard task to get my buffet tray and get my food and sit down because I'm (laughs) extremely disabled. (laughs) And there's a reason why, you know, I'm not allowed to do this, but I don't know any better. So I'm just getting my food. I sit down, (laughs) I park my walker and I'm eating my, my food quickly so I can go and do Vicky's session. She comes in. She's like, mm. hey, where's your wheelchair? I'm like, oh, it's uh, it's, it's, it's in my room. It's just in my room, you know? She's like, what do you mean it's in your room? How did you get here? I was like, I walked. I walked. And she, I mean, <laughs> I, I cannot describe to you this moment. She just got down on my level. And she looked me through my soul. And she said, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. If you fall, it is both of us that are going to be in trouble. You know, you don't seem to understand <laughs> that you can't yeah. just do whatever you want. And of course, I, I start crying and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very emotional basket case, you know, but I didn't know. I was just like, I didn't know that I was doing something. I knew that it wasn't like, kosher right but I'm like yeah it's probably not that big of a deal so there's a lot of that happening in rehab and um I worked with so many yeah you needed Vicky there to talk to Helen yes yeah right (laughs) yes had Vicky Vicky been there places (laughs) had Vicky been there it would have been a whole different scenario exactly exactly yeah Yeah. so how long were you in rehab 
Uh, I was there. It was a uh, Spalding rehab in Aurora. Uh, I was there for about two weeks, which is a significantly short amount of time yeah. for your brain to rewire itself mm-hmm. to, the, to the point where you can moonwalk out of the hospital, which is what <laughs> I did. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they so, do a lot of work quick then. <laughs> they did. And, you know, I think part of that is, you know, every brain injury is so different. I just want to emphasize that for listeners is that like every injury is so uniquely different. But for me, what the first thing they told me is that your cerebellum is an area where you can relearn a bunch of those repetitive skills. So, you know, the movement, the, the fine motor, the gross motor movement, like you could relearn all those things fairly quickly. Um, it's not like some things that just the change is different. It's just a different part of your brain. So for me coming in there at such a young age with that area of my brain, you know, and having been pretty athletic, my brain was like, all right, let's do it. Let's get back online. Uh, And it really quickly, you know, kind of moved through that, which is extraordinary. You know, it's definitely not an ordinary thing. Um, I met a lot of people in there that they weren't going to be moving as quickly as me, you know, especially they were a lot older than me. So we'd be in the gym together and I'd be like already on the balancing thing, like throwing a ball back and forth. And they're like, wow, look at this young whippersnapper up in here. Showed us all up, you know. (laughs) 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 Helen's over in the corner yelling at you. (laughs) I'm glad you brought this up because actually Aaron and I were just kind of talking about this, like the fact that the scale of your brain injury does not necessarily have a direct effect on your healing um, or or like, you know, your recovery process. (laughs) And the fact that, you know, like I had a, an acute (laughs) supper. I'm taking on Aaron's (laughs) brain injury. I just almost said I had a subarachnoid hemorrhage. I did not. I had (laughs) an acute subdural hematoma on the scan. It looked awful. My doctors told me like it was a miracle. I was alive and my recovery was fairly, I don't want to say easy, but straightforward. And then you have people with a fairly mild concussion who see symptoms for years and years after you really can't say like, you know, based on a scan, what a recovery is going to look like. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. And it can be encouraging or discouraging depending on who you are and how you look at it, I think. Oh, totally, totally. And it's so nuanced, you know? So it's like when I was sitting there in rehab, they had me doing physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. And I would sit there in the speech therapy and I'm like, you know, I've been running my mouth this whole time. This is not an issue for me. I don't even know why I'm here. You know, I'm just like, I don't even know why I'm here. And then they're pulling out these pictures, these little like, you know, cute little cards that look like, you know, they're in a kindergarten classroom and they're like, what's this? What's this? What's this? And I'm like, ah, you know, car, shoe, table, spatula. This is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? <laughs> and then they pull up, uh, oh, see, even now it's hard to say this one, a tripod. Okay. They pull up a picture of a tripod for a camera. Okay. This, this word haunts me to this day. <laughs> And they pulled that this picture up and I'm just like, yo, I can't say that. I don't know what that, I, like I know, but I don't know. Yeah. And that's weird. 
And they're like, okay, noted. And then like, write. I'm like, no, don't write that down. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I can't <laughs> say it. You know, <laughs> so, there are so many nuances and like aphasia. So like, I do have like, to this day, I have, you know, depending on how tired I am or how much I've done that day, it can get better or worse. It's just so nuanced. And the vision did come back in the in the cutest way, very DIY. Uh, they put a little piece of tape over my uh, glasses, over my pupil. And they just made it smaller and smaller eventually. And it just tricked my brain into seeing one instead of two of ah. everything. Hmm. Right? Sneak. Yeah. Genius. Maybe. Genius. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so cool. And of course, had I gone home, none of that would have happened. Yeah. You know, maybe they would have mm-hmm. given me a piece of paper that said, hey, try balancing on your foot for 30 seconds. But it's like, you know, I really got some aggressive therapy right when I needed it. And that is sadly not the case for so many survivors. And they have to struggle their way through this. And it's not, you know, of course, it's great when it's so timely, because your brain is trying to form those connections that it just lost. But that you can always reconnect those things. You can always come back and reconnect those things. That's what's so amazing about the brain. And even now, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I know for a fact. If I did more eye exercises, I would not be seeing double in the morning when I'm tired and try to read a text message, you know, six years later. <laughs> so, you know, there are things that, of course, I still struggle with. But, I mean, that, that therapy really changed the game for me. I did that for about two weeks and then I did some outpatient because I still had an outpatient program at that time. Um, so I was going back in for a couple hours every other day or so for another couple months. So again, not always straightforward. You know, you hope you get right back into life. Uh, relatively, I did, you know, so that was in the fall of 2014 when all that took place. I was back in the classroom teaching with those kids that I traumatized. Remember them? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was back with full them. circle. <laughs> I, I come all the way back and I was back with them in January. So for timeline here, you know, brain surgery was October, initial hemorrhage around August, September ish, uh, back in the classroom by January of 2015. Wow. That's amazingly wow. fast. That is probably too fast. You know, I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, they told me I could have as much time as I needed to get back to do my student teaching. They said, yeah, yeah woo, you know, take your time. And I was like, no, no, let's power forward. (laughs) And my therapist did, you know, they were concerned because, you know, there was a point where I showed them this portfolio that I had to do to become a teacher in the state of Colorado. You had to do this big test. You had to do this portfolio where you had to film yourself in the classroom. You had to write like a miniature novel. Um, You had to do all this stuff. And I bring it into PT one or uh, speech. I brought it into speech therapy one day and I go, okay, we have to do this to be a teacher. How do we do it? And they're like, is this a joke? Is this, is this, I know that you're like funny at all, but is this like another one of your jokes? And I'm like, no, I'm being serious. I have to do this. And they're like, okay, well, um, that's a stretch for you. Like, this is going to be hard. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, maybe this is going to be harder than I ever thought it would be. And it was, you know, I had to go through that and I guess I was just so determined, so determined to get back to that classroom that I was willing to just like do anything. You know, I was like, I just have to get back to that life I was living before, you know, Um, and I did. But it looked it was messy. You know, it was very, very chaotic. And um, luckily, those those high school kids were fairly gentle on me as a first time teacher than I think normal kids would be. Yeah. 
because they're like, hey, uh, we saw you almost die. You traumatized us. So maybe we won't like test you as much or push your buttons as much. So I got lucky in that sense because they knew what I had been through. And so, you know, if I had to be like, OK, you know, uh, I'm going to take a time out because I'm seeing double and I'm, you know, I can't breathe right now. And I'm going to go outside, take a walk. Can you got, you know, I would call my other teacher in and then I would just like go outside and get a breath of fresh air because I was just like, wow, this is hard. Like, this is so hard. <laughs> but I did it. I got back. So, uh, you know, did that for a while, too. Did you find yourself having a lot of the brain fog and the fatigue and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um and it was weird because I was like, you know, I I know a certain part of this is just teaching. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, how much of this is my brain? How much of this is teaching? And when you put them together, it's like, wow, that's messy. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. and and then um as I got on to get my own classroom and you know, got certified and all that, I had a hard time, you know, with people that didn't understand, and I know a lot of survivors struggle with this too, is that on the surface, I look fine, quote unquote, fine. I look normal, but I was fighting every day, you know, just to function at any level. Right. And so I would come in in the mornings. I remember this so vividly uh, when I was in my now full first year of teaching in my own classroom, I would come in at like, six something a.m. Whoa. (laughs) And I would go to the copy machine. I would be making my copies. I'm like trying to get my head on straight so I can teach children at 7 a.m. in the morning, you know, and um, this assistant principal of the school. I swear she did this every day. I know I'm exaggerating, but it felt like every day she'd be like, oh, you're looking kind of tired. Did you get your coffee this morning? Did you have a late night out? Oh, young people. (laughs) You know, she'd like throw these like finger guns at me. And I'm like, I have a brain injury. I am tired. (laughs) (laughs) And I am tired in a way you don't know tired. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just felt it felt very it just felt very it didn't feel good. Because mm-hmm. I was just fighting to keep my eyelids open, you know, and not because I was a young person, not because I was out late, not because of any of these things that she assumed about me, just because this is my reality, you know. And, and at some points, you know, I laugh about this now, but when I was uh, in the thick of my teaching, sometimes I would just have to go and sit in my car with just isolate myself, sit in my car and just like put, you know, a, a T-shirt over my eyes and just lie there in silence during the passing period. Because I was like, this is too much. <laughs> like, I need a break. And I would often, like, fall asleep, you know, in the teacher's lounge with the lights off. And then somebody would walk in and turn them on. And I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> really struggling. But I knew that I wanted that really bad, you know. So it was hard. Um, it was hard to kind of come to that point where I was like, you know, this is not serving me anymore. Um, so eventually I did get to that point and I did leave the classroom. So that's where the rest of this crazy story happens. Mm. <laughs> what happens that, next? Yeah, how long did that take? At what point was that? I taught for two years. And at that point, I had uh, started kind of experimenting with other creative pursuits in the evenings. So that book that I had started with one hand, now I was working with both. So that was cool faster, right? <laughs> Typing Twice away. Twice the speed. Oh, no. Twice the speed. <laughs> <laughs> um, at night, I was, you know, starting to really get into writing this book and telling this story because it was becoming clear that it was not normal. You know, it was very different. It was, it was something new, something that no one had heard about before. 
certainly not me. You know, I'm going through it in the moment, you know. Um, so in writing this book, I also started doing stand-up comedy, which I'd never done before. <laughs> it looked very strange than everyone else who was in the stand-up scene in Colorado. Um, and that I would get up there and be like, wheelchairs, am I right? You know, and I would like, kind of like do these like really weird brain bleeding sets. And people are like, okay, interesting. Are you okay? You know, like <laughs> when you joke about something like that, that you've gone through, how alarmed people get. I, I mean, oh. <laughs> I, you can't so say that. <laughs> like I, I am not brave enough to get on a stage. I'm don't have the self-confidence or the extroversion for it. But, um, so I walk across the crosswalk where I was hit by a car almost every day. And so I lovingly refer to this crosswalk as the death march. And like <laughs> people who are walking with me, I'm like, Oh, here's the death march. And the number of people who are like worried that I'm going to like have a PTSD moment in this crosswalk or whatever, they're just like freaked out that I can laugh about it at this point. I'm, and I'm not saying it's all funny. Like when you're in it, it's really mm-hmm. hard, but mm-hmm. if you can't look back on some of it and laugh, it, I, it's just, I don't know how, how you sit with all of that for the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it was definitely, I definitely got those looks, right? And so um, as I was doing stand-up, I actually got pretty afraid to be that vulnerable because I, I noticed nobody else was telling sets about their brain bleeds. And I was like, all right, I guess I should do more. Uh, maybe I'll do teaching material. You know, I was getting a lot of lot of content from that classroom. So I was doing like, I'm a teacher comedy. And I was doing like, I'm a woman, you know, like yoga and like basic, you know, white girl stuff. You know, so I kind of started getting, you know, back into some predictable territory. But I still really enjoyed doing stand up. But it was also it's it's a late night activity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was tough. That. <laughs> So yeah. when I got to the point in the Denver scene, when I was getting up on um, Denver Comedy Works, which is kind of the bigger, it's one of the bigger clubs in the state. And um, I would like get all hype and I would like do all this prep and do this set. And, I, you know, I go on at like 11 because I'm like a, a, no, a nobody, <laughs> you know, I get on at 11, get home at like, you know, past midnight. And then I got to roll up and go. it's a Wednesday and I'm like, oh, hell. And the, the kids would notice. They'd be like, Miss, were you out last night? And I was like, it's not what you think. Okay. I was doing, you know, and I think some of them knew that I was doing stand up, but I don't think they really believed me. They really didn't think I was cool. <laughs> they, in their souls, did not want to admit that I was cool. So I was just, you know, a teacher to them, you know, no personality, just, just there to serve them. Uh, so as I'm going about this, I'm starting to really feel conflicted because the comedy and the writing fuels me so much that I just, I almost just don't know what I'm doing, you know, in the classroom anymore. I feel like I'm losing myself and all the reasons why I got into teaching no longer seem to feel like they fit. And all these things are, it's just difficult, you know, let's just start with how difficult it is, you know? So um, I get to this point, my mentor, my best friend in the whole world, uh, she had quit the classroom the year before. And I sat with her and I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> and she's like, mm-hmm. well, you should quit. You should just leave. I did it. Look at me. I'm alive. I made it. You know, I found something else. You know, th- there are options for you. And then I opened up this whole world of possibility. It's like, well, what would I do if I wasn't a teacher? 
I've been wanting to be a teacher my whole life. So what else is there? And so I decided to do the farthest thing from teaching I could think of, which was to move to, to uh, New York City and do stand-up mm. comedy. And that is what I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talk so, about a change. Yeah. yeah. Most do you. I feel like so many people have moments in their life where they're like, I'm not doing the thing that is making me happy, but are too afraid to hit the eject button um, mm. because it means starting something over or, you know, like in their minds, failing the people who have expectations of them or, you know, so props to you for like, oh, yeah, guts to do it. Yeah. I mean, it came with a lot of guilt, too, especially when it came to the kids, because you know, I'd been through so much, you know, in that classroom. It was like, I really, I really had been through so much. And so it felt like I was exactly hitting the eject button on my life. And I was like, I don't know where we're going to land. I don't even know if I have a parachute. You know? It might be fun. It might be scary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I pulled out my 401k. I had no job. I had a cousin, you know, in Jersey. That's what I had. You know, it's like, I had nothing. And the cool thing was once I got there, I was like, all right, let's, let's figure it out. Let's go ahead and hustle. Let's, let's find this new life. And it was hard. It was terrifying. It was traumatic. You know, the classic, like crying on the subway all the time, all the time. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. So I started working as a nanny, uh, you know, which they got a great nanny. Let me tell you, like former high school teacher, stand up comedian, a yeah. writer, wow, like these kids were enriched. So I'm like like taking on these jobs that I think, you know, previously I would have maybe looked down on because I had, I had had a career, you know? So I'm like, oh, I have Mm -hmm. to keep having a career, but I'm like, no, just take a gig, just be a nanny, just do it. So I I took those jobs. And then when I was um, at night, you know, I would go and do stand up and I was meeting people. I was going into places I didn't think I belonged. I had no confidence whatsoever. You know, I'm like this little teacher from suburbia with a brain injury and a book. And I'm like, I'm just here for the ride. And eventually I, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I was at an improv show and I was invited kindly. You know, the stereotype of New York people not being uh, friendly. I don't really you know, agree with that. But I was invited back to hang out with some of the, the cast members of this improv show. And they're like, hey, you're a new face you know, tell us your story, what's good. And uh, said I was writing a book, but no big deal. No one's read it. It's just about the time that I almost died. And it's funny, but it shouldn't be funny, but it is. And, you know, and this guy goes, hey, you know, I know a publisher, like, you know, I can I email him for you? And maybe he wants to look at it. And I was just like, uh, of, of course, you can certainly do that. I didn't know that people did that. For other people. That's very nice. And this turned out to be my first book deal was through that uh, indie publisher. So, yeah. So You're then we the became best. an author. I like takes you to the, the major, you know, like turning points. But yeah. yeah. And if you would have asked me, you know, like if it would have, you know, you would have told me that it was going to happen that way. No way. But I think it had a lot to do with my jumping into the void with something that I was, I had, at that point, I was four years. I'd, I'd worked on that book for four years. So it's not like I just was like, oh, I'll just, you know, I mean, I, I had the products, you know, I came there, I had what I, I wanted and I was just with the right person at the right time. And that's, that's how a lot of people's stories go. 
And so we got the book deal. What came next was, you know, epic. I mean, I launched this book with all my friends and family um, back in Denver um, in 2018. I did a book tour. I got I got contacted by a bunch of brain injury, you know, associations. I went on tour. I got TV spots. I was like this little brain injured celebrity, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, like, who is this person? You know, and I couldn't even recognize myself from, you know, you know, I the year that basically that first year in New York, you know, I literally had gone back to the classroom to visit my old students and I didn't recognize myself and they didn't either. They're like, Oh my God, you, the celebrity. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> New York celebrity, the comedian. Oh my God. You know, miss, we're so proud of you. I'm like, Oh, now you like me. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> now I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took was for me to, you know, to pursue my passions for you to, you know, but yeah. So it changed my whole life and it continues to, I still don't believe it half the time. You know, there's like five books sitting on my counter right now. Just like I wrote that, you know, and it's something that I don't think would have happened without the brain injury. I mean, I really stepped into my, myself and a lot of, I think survivors have some kind of shift happen in their lives, whether it's because they have a new perspective, they see mm-hmm. things differently. Sometimes their spirituality changes, you know, all these changes occur. And I just really wanted to I wanted to get into that. I wanted to really respect that change. And so I just doubled down. I was like, we're going to be the brainiest New Yorkist, you know, comedian the world's ever seen. And I really wanted to become, I really reinvented myself essentially after this injury. Mm. Uh, So it's been a wild ride. Um, I love, I love everything about it, but it's obviously come with a lot of challenges. And, um, you know, now that I'm, I'm in this community, I care that much more about continuing to do this work, you know, um, as Joe says, Hey Joe, uh, he says, you know, it's bigger than you now, you know, it used to just be you and now you've got a story and now it's bigger than you. And now you owe it to people to keep on doing that because it's going to help people. Um, and in that sense, I'm still a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm still, I've, I've, I'm still a teacher because I still help people. I still educate I still do all that. It just looks a lot different now. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you struggle with this. I have been grappling with this a little bit and I don't know if th- what the answer is really, but I'm only two years out, but I'm mostly normal or as normal as I'll ever get, I think. Um, and there have been times where I'm like, have I graduated from this? Am I no longer a part of this? And I, the answer is no, it's a part of my story. Whatever, you know, like I can't like shed that piece, but I, I do have moments where I'm like, do I still belong in this? I don't know. I, I'd be mm. curious to know your perspective on it, having having several more years. Um. Yeah, as a veteran that I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I actually really resonate with that because um, when I came out of this experience and I was, you know, diving headlong back into, quote unquote, a normal life. And I, as I got towards publishing this book, I thought, oh, my God, you know what if the brain injury community doesn't accept me? What if they think I'm a fraud? What if they think, Oh, Mm -hmm. there's no way she can accept me. She can't make a joke about handicapped parking. You know, she can drive. Like, you know, there were just these, these times that I really felt like a fake and an imposter. And I would, I was just literally so terrified that when this book came out, I would get so much hate mail and like, you're just ridiculous. And I can't believe you'd ever like think that you represent us. And the opposite happened. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, the brain injury community is my fan club. I mean, I go when I go to like conferences and I do like a set at like a brain injury conference filled with survivors and medical professionals. I crush. I mean, I'm telling you, I get every laugh, every point. Like, I really crush with that audience because they're like, you're us, we're you, like, this is all, we're all together. And so I'm not seen as, you know, what I thought I was going to be seen as. I'm seen as more of like, you know, I don't want to go so far as like inspiration, but, you know, I'm seen as like what's possible, you know, (laughs) like what's possible if you want to live, you know, a fulfilling life after brain injury. And um, again, like I said, every injury is so different. And I just I hope that people know, like, I want you to like own your yourself. And so like what that looks like for me is when I'm doing stand up. Oh, I'm the most brain injured person when I'm doing stand up. I get distracted because, you know, it's a loud environment. Also, you know, Mm -hmm. my my stimuli. So I got the bright light on my face. I've got sound. There's a radio in the back. Nobody bothered to turn off. People are talking in the front row. They're texting. They're ordering their drinks. And I'm trying to remember a set that I wrote down. Like, what? And so it's just, it's nearly impossible. And half the time I break the microphone because I'm clumsy AF. I still, I'm not even drunk. And I'm like looking like a fool up there. And I just lean into it. And I'm like, there's my brain. You know, like there's my injury. And I own it because I'm proud of it because, you know, and if people think it's cute or clumsy, whatever, you know, they're going to interpret it however they will. But I want to own who I am and be really comfortable and really proud of that, um, no matter what that looks like. So I would just really encourage people to look at like your deficits as like you're like, oh, my God, look at my arm. It doesn't work. You know, like I want people to like really own. And I know that's hard. I know that's not like you might not be in a place for that. But at some point you will get to that point where you have gone through a certain amount of time, gone through a certain amount of, you know, process and changes. And you might be ready to think about your injury or your deficits a little differently. And so I would encourage that for people is to look at how can you reframe that and see it as like your special superpower. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and Joe calls uh, everyone else who doesn't have a brain injury normies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is Joe from the neuro nerds. Yeah. For anyone that yeah. Yes. Uh, the neuro nerds friends, because you'll get a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, this community, like we all are really um, just trying to make our way and uh, be comfortable and confident and happy like anybody else. Yeah. So the more ways you can do that the better, you know? And I think it's so important to recognize the fact that you don't have to sit and wait. Like you don't have to wait until everything's perfect. Like you need, you know, nothing in life is ever going to be perfect. So if you're feeling something, if you're feeling like you need to go get it, go get it. Like you don't have to wait. That's been the biggest thing for me. Like I always thought like, oh, I have to be like perfect and like totally ready for this next step. Sometimes you just got to take that step and figure it out as you go. I had a similar shift post brain injury, which was like, at this point in my life, I'm like, I I don't have time for this shit. I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, we're moving. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, the other thing Mm -hmm. that I think is interesting in terms of like the brain injury community and how we talk about ourselves or what others would call our deficits is I'll share a really quick story. So I was on the TBI subreddit uh, and somebody was telling the story of how they had left a Facebook group because some people had shared some photos of when they got their brain injury that were triggering for that person. And they were a little bit too 
gruesome, basically. Mm, mm-hmm. And I should have known better than to, I try not to talk too much on those because, you know, it's Reddit. But I made a comment about the fact that, like, the reality is a lot of us with brain injuries are oversharers. We lose filter or part of our filter. And so mm. that's kind of funny sometimes, <laughs> but also sometimes we don't realize when we're triggering other people. And so I was saying like in some of those Facebook support groups, you need to like know your limits and self-select out if you, if you see stuff like that and it's going to continue to bother you. And somebody got super up in arms with me about the fact that I had made a generalization about brain injury community folks and the oversharing and lack of filter, which I was not being offensive, but I was just saying like, let's just be real about this. (laughs) This is a very common thing. Mm. Um, And it became a very touchy subject. Long story short, we like ended up the conversation in a respectful place, but I, I was not trying to be offensive, but I do think that there's like a fine line between avoiding talking about that stuff. And I I don't like, I think avoiding it sometimes does us a disservice. Um, Mm. But the reality is there is something funny sometimes about having no filter. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, And I would hope that I would get poked fun of for it, but I'm, you know, like it's, it's just a delicate thing sometimes. So that's the point of that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think with, you know, the community, like some people are really at that point. Mm-hmm. They're ready to have, you know, they're ready to poke fun. They're ready to, you know, joke about themselves. They're ready to share. Mm-hmm. So many people are not. And and the the thing is, like, something that Joe always tells me is like, yeah, if someone reaches out to you and they say, hey, this was really important that you shared this. There's probably like a hundred or so, maybe even more other people who felt that way and just didn't reach out to you. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that are feeling, you know, lonely and isolated. They don't even know the community exists. Mm -hmm. And when they find it, they may not know how to interact with it. And so sometimes you do see a lot of negativity on some of these Facebook groups. And uh, it's it's hard to navigate. It's a lot. And for like processing, you know, brain injury people, like all Mm -hmm. the tabs open in your in your brain. Yeah, it's hard. You know, so it's like I would say for people like really just be patient with yourself. Um, if you want to try out a platform, you know, notice things about it like, oh, Facebook, this feels a little negative for me or there are pictures and I don't really want to see that. I'm not at a place where I can, you know, and move to maybe like Clubhouse. Like I just got on Clubhouse. It's just audio. It's fantastic. All the brain folks are on there. It's incredible. And we and, you know, it's a different vibe because, you know, we're having rooms that are like, let's talk about creativity about you know, past your brain injury. Let's talk about like the support that you need. Let's talk about, you know, X, Y, Z. These are people that get it. These are people that are facilitating this, these rooms who are at a point where they can help people that are less, you know, functioning or are a bit more impacted. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to look at it as this full spectrum of like, there are going to be some people that are really impacted, but they really do want that community. They don't know how to communicate that. They don't know how to ask for that. They don't know how to interact in those environments. And that's okay too. You know, you just have this full, beautiful array of us. And again, that's because all of our injuries are so different. You're never going to find like two people that have had the exact same experience. That's what's so cool about us. Yeah. And we're, Mm -hmm. I mean, like we're all in different places at any given moment, honestly, like you could feel one way yesterday and a very different way today. So yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to ask a selfish question. Mm, Yes. Have you ever seen the Pete Holmes TV show Crashing? 
Yes, I have. I've seen some of it, not all of it. How yeah. much is that like the, um, the <laughs> comedy scene? I have been thinking the same thing the whole time, and I'm like, how can I work that in? <laughs> you know, it's uh, I would say there's a lot, there's a great, there's a good deal of accuracy there because there are people that don't understand, you know, your motivations, why you're doing it, you know, what you're getting out of it. When I did the Fringe Festival in 2019, which is the biggest theater festival in the whole world, it's in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, I went there with my one-woman show, which is a comedy kind of adaptation of the book. It's about an hour long. And I was performing every day to anywhere from two to 15 people. That was a big day for me. Uh, 15. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and you're in the middle of Scotland and you're performing literally every day for a month. Wow. And, uh, you know, the fact that I could even do this was just insane because my venue was a warehouse that was decrepit, falling apart. You know, in terms of my brain, my brain was like, I hate it here because you could hear the <laughs> pipes. Anytime anybody would flush a toilet, you'd hear like the waterfall of sound. You'd hear like so drilling outside. Oh my God. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm on my stage and I'm like, telling this really vulnerable, really funny story about my brain every day and selling books, doing this hustle. And it was so hard, but it was so what I needed. You know, it, it made sense to me because I knew that all the great, amazing comedians had been there. I knew that, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, before he was anybody, was doing the same exact thing as I was to two people in a crowd, you know, <laughs> rapping his, his little weird history raps or whatever. And I felt like I was just in this amazing, transformative, creative space. Now, you know, people on the other side of that, friends, family are like, we're concerned about you. Uh, you know? <laughs> and, and why? And why are you doing this? You know, how much money did you make today? I'm like, uh, you know, uh, 12 pounds, you know, or whatever the, the, uh, Scottish currency was, you know, I made 12 pounds. It was amazing. That's like, you know, $14, but I felt like I was, I had worked so hard for that, you know? And so, um, it's really, really interesting. I hope that the festival comes back. I, I saw so many amazing comedians, performers. Uh, there was a, there was also the disability at uh, kind of corner of the fringe and I got really, you know, really friendly with them. Sad, sad story. One of my great comedy friends I met there she was in a wheelchair and I she really wanted to come and see my show I saw her show she wanted to come see mine you know and uh I said I don't I don't know there's this it's a really sketchy building I don't know if I can get you there and uh I I took her up to the stairs and I said I, I got like five or ten dudes off the street and I was like do you feel comfortable with with them lifting you up four flights of sketchy stairs to come and see my show and and she's just like I just it's just gonna be it's just no I just and I was like this is so sad you know why would they put this brain injured comedian in a four-story not accessible venue this is bs (laughs) (laughs) and so I felt I was so so bad (laughs) I was like I feel really bad like I, and, you know, then it opened up all these questions about accessibility and I was tripping all over that place. There's all these, you know, uneven stones and stuff. I was really, really fighting that place. But 
The question, I believe, was about crashing, but uh, <laughs> I, I did, you know, I, I really do resonate with some of those, like, TV shows and, and documentaries about comedians. You know, we're all hustling. A lot of us yeah. have dealt with trauma in many different ways. You know, I do feel really good for, on the inside when someone laughs at me. You know, I feel I feel like... I don't know. I'm just doing a hit at some dangerous drug. Not that I've ever done it, but I just feel <laughs> really, really good. And so that's why I keep doing it is because I just can't, I haven't found anything that feels as good as that. Yeah. You know? That's so. Awesome. so another very basic question. What's the name of your book? Oh, <laughs> we haven't even done that. <laughs> it's uh, it's called I'll be okay. It's just a hole in my head. By Mimi Hayes. <laughs> Nice. Yes. We will so. put a link to that in our notes yeah. so that people can get that. Yeah. yeah sure. and, you know, if you want to sign a copy, let me know. I have a few more. You can buy directly from me. I'll sign it. You know, like I love signing books. That, that, that's fun. That's fun for me. So, you know, either if it's Amazon, it's Amazon. If it's, you know, hit me up, hit me up. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We'll put that in our show notes so everyone can find you or find the book. Sweet. I'm sure if it's as fun as you, <laughs> it's going to be a good read. I have heard my favorite feedback is that it feels like you're sitting down with me, having like your favorite cozy beverage and you're just like talking the tea, you know? So that's a like great compliment on my writing is that it feels like you're actually just sitting talking with a friend. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. I think that is a, a lovely goal, honestly, for any writer, for sure. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like people know you. Yeah. Yeah. Considering I started writing it with a bleeding brain, I'm frankly shocked. Like, right. I'm like, oh, these words make sense. They string together and make sense. There's no spelling errors. Okay, good on you. Like, okay. <laughs> Mimi, goes- how can people find you? <laughs> oh, you can find me so many ways. You could Google me. You can, uh, I've got MimiHayes.com. My podcast is called Mimi in the Brain. You'll find a handful of episodes there. My handles on social media, Mimi Hayes Brain. I'm on Clubhouse now, doing the cool thing with the cool kids. Uh, you can I, find I me. I, th- I think it would be impossible not to find me. I think if you just Google, like, brain-injured comedian, I think I come up on the first page. So there you go. I have to say one thing I really appreciate about your website is that it says making brain hemorrhages look cool since 1992. Like, I literally, the first time I looked at your website, that loaded, and I was like, I like her. <laughs> I made that so many years ago, and I was just like, you know, this is fun. You know, yeah. like, let's just make a fun little logo. Uh, so, yes, I make brain injuries look fun. Uh, that's my brand. That's my bag. Yeah, I'm just, I thank you so much for having me. I felt oh my like gosh. You should be it's just such you. a good experience. What? No, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Too. I just joined a couple of weeks ago. I've been, a, like, a clubhouse lurker because... I don't know. I'm still thinking. I know. I need to figure it out. I, I heard Joe talking it, about it. I feel a little bit like an old lady because I'm like, mm-hmm. how does this work? But yeah, <laughs> no, you know, I think it's just like any other like platform where it's like got certain things that are like unique to that platform. And I'm still fig- I'm like day two of this nonsense. So <laughs> I'm not an expert. But, um, you know, it's just a cool place to connect with um, survivors. Joe and I are going to have our own room. Sweet. And we're going to uh, talk about creativity post-brain injury. Um, there's a lot of really cool, like, clubs within this platform. And it's just a, a nice place to just be able to hear people. I feel Honestly, today I felt like I was listening to, like, mini TED Talks all day. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just really nice experience. Yeah, it's cool. I will say to listeners who are thinking about joining Clubhouse and are like, well, I don't want to be a lurker in any of these brain injury community rooms. I can relate because like, I'm not, I'm an introvert by nature. And so like the first time I ever joined one of these rooms, I like sat there quietly and then somebody like added me to the panel of speakers. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody, I don't know anybody here. Nobody asked me about this. And suddenly like, I'm, I'm, (laughs) um, but it was such a good experience. I think because we're all brain injury survivors, it just like automatically there's a baseline friendship and community there. So if you're worried about lurking in a room and like, whether or not people will be friendly or you can talk and like make friends, you can. <laughs> Don't be scared. Yeah. And I've been lurking all day. Like literally what I, my favorite thing to do is that you can just scroll through the room and click on people's profiles. Yeah. So if I'm in like a brain injured room, I'm going to be like, oh, who's this? And I'll follow them. I'll be like, follow, follow, yeah. follow, follow. So I'll just follow all my people. And then, you know, if I want to chat with them later, I can, I can DM them later, you know, like that's kind of cool. You can make a lot of connections really quickly just by seeing who's there. And I think some people are starting to like kind of abuse that because it's like a popularity contest, but like, I, you know, I don't care about that. Like I follow like a million times more people than follow me. I do not, I have no intention of like, you know, using it that way, but, um, it's just a nice space. And, uh, same with Instagram. My favorite thing is this month, March, we are in the month of March, uh, is brain injury awareness month. And actually how I met Joe Borges from the neuro nerds was actually when I started doing these daily Instagram posts for brain injury awareness month. Um, Uh, and I, I don't know why I decided to do this, but this was back in 2017, I think it was my first year in New York. And, um, I decided I was going to do a post today, something about my brain injury for every day, um, whether it was like vision or memory or balance, or it was just something every day. And then I would put a bunch of hashtags and whatever. And then sure enough, a few days into this, I post a picture of me and my Jimungo headphones in the subway, (laughs) looking real stressed because this is my way to shut off the world. And uh, this, uh, this guy named Joe popped into my DMs and was like, I have never felt more seen in my life. (laughs) And and of course it was like, he says he was so awkward. I don't remember it being awkward. Because I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like he's like, I'm a survivor. You're a survivor. I use headphones. You use headphones. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, we are friends. And it just like, we just literally unlocked this level of like, you know, immediate friendship just because of headphones. And now like, I kid you not, he is one of my best friends in the whole world. I've never met him in person. What? Oh, I've wow. never met the guy because he lives in LA and I lived in New York at the time. Now I'm looking at, is that an ice cream truck? I can't. Okay. I don't know. That's part of my hearing too, is I feel like I can hear everything. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it was a really powerful thing because now a couple of years later after start doing that, I feel like it's almost a trend now. Like I've had people reaching out be like, can I do the brain injury month posts and I'm like what do you it's uh, it's not my thing like you oh uh, please please post know. what yeah <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but it's just inspiring to see people wanting to share who have never wanted to share before yeah um, and well, that's inspiring there's something special about the fact that like we're not all in the same place geographically mm-hmm. but you know like mentally emotionally we're in a lot closer of a place than others so it's nice that like these connections are being made across the interwebs or however they're mm-hmm. being made. 
but yeah, it's, you know, yeah. yeah. So, and cool. even now, you know, it's, it's better for us to all to connect this way anyway, for the time being, because some of us are a bit more high risk and, you know, it, it feels better to connect this way than not at all. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty like, uh, extroverted person. Not sure if you could tell that. Uh, no, pretty, no. you hide it very well. <laughs> uh, but you know, I really miss, I miss connecting. I miss seeing people, um, miss, you know, going out and doing that stuff, but it's really good that we still have access to, uh, connecting like this. Yeah. Hit Someday. me up. Really? Anybody listening, yeah. just roll on into the DMS, roll on through. Come on in. Just going to say, everyone needs to find Mimi Hayes on social media. Slide on in. Well, someday when we can all safely see each other again, I feel like there needs to be a brain injury community reunion of some sort because Uh, we're going to (laughs) party. Actually missing each other. Yeah. Get our seltzer waters and our (laughs) whatever it is that we can drink. I'll be by 930, but I'll party. (laughs) Yes. We'll go to bed at 8 p.m. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) All our headphones. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. I think we got to start wrapping this up. But maybe was there anything else, any other advice you want to give listeners? Last word of wisdom? Oh, man. I I would just say give yourself some grace. That's always what I say. Um, This is not an easy place to be in life and a lot of people understand that some people don't and so you know give yourself some grace um you've done some amazing things you've survived so many amazing my dog's barking i'm so sorry yeah, i'm distracted I'm a brain tree. You, get it? you know what i mean it's it's hard stuff that we're doing and uh just keep keep pushing forward that's all i got all right nothing's killed us yet yeah, yeah. So we can do it yeah. All right, y'all. So we'll, um, we talked about how to find Mimi Hayes on social media. Um, we'll have those in our show notes as well. Please feel free to find her and reach out. We would love for you guys all to send us any questions you have and connect with us as well at Making Headway Podcasts on social media. And I'm going to sign out now. This is Erin signing out. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.